Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on in the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, hey, friends. Welcome to level 309 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball. Zuh. That's right. You heard the zuh. And you know what zuh means. Zuh means friends. And today, what, what you know, you know my bestest of friends. I got two of them. But today, alas, because of an ER visit yesterday, I only have one. And before you freak out, everybody's okay. Everyone's alive. Don't you worry. Just uh, the Wookiee got to spend some quality time in some healthcare establishments. And uh, it was much longer than I would hope for. But the long and short is I'm alive and I'm okay. So don't you worry about it. Never you fret. Uh, but because of that, we were going to record me... Actually, it was going to be me and Danny talking. Uh, spoilers, it's Marshall Danny of the Greater Fuzzball Territories. Howdy. You know, <laughs> I have like a whole like witty saying I was going to come out the gate with. And then you're like, by the way, folks, I almost died yesterday. <laughs> that's okay. I did I'm not. Gonna, I, uh, I did not uh, almost how? die. I did not almost die. And uh, but long I story mean, short, if you stayed in that ER long enough, oh, I know God, I was gonna die of sheer boredom and my patience being <laughs> tested. Uh, but uh, Blue is gonna listen to me and Danny talk about all the things we watch because uh, anybody who listens to podcasts know Blue barely watches anything. Um, <laughs> it's like, Blue, what were your five favorite movies? Did I watch five movies? <laughs> so, I have uh, three movies I've seen. Yeah, he, he always – some movies rank really high just because he hasn't seen all that much. But that's okay. <laughs> that's where uh, me and the Marshall come in and, and watch much more. He was going to listen and just be like, oh, yeah, I would watch that. Uh, so now I guess he just has to listen to us and give us notes and say, yeah, I would watch that. Or, oh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, so that's all to say me and the Marshall insert his witty repartee that he was going to say here – uh, we're going to do another edition of What You Watching. What You Watching, What You Watching, What You Watching, What You Watching, What You Watching. But yeah, Danny, we watch lots of stuff, huh? We watch a lot of stuff for yeah. being two busy fuzzballs that we are. Well, literally for this past week, because I've been, been out and sick, I've caught up on so much stuff. Like, there's things we're going to talk about tonight, maybe, that I've just watched or just caught up on. <laughs> so uh, that's been that's been sort of nice. And because I've been sicky, I haven't been slacking on my family or anything. So, <laughs> so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So being a actually, good family member and the chill and the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch watch so much stuff. But uh, that's all to say, this is going to be a super super sized episode. And uh, we've we've sort of come up with we're gonna you know movies are fair game TV's fair game, um, and and that's all to say there's one movie we're definitely gonna talk about because it's coming out on the Disney Plus soon and what you watch it might be that for you, uh, come Disney Plus Day September 8th, um, but yeah we're gonna we're gonna try and give ourselves like a shorter time limit before we get any further, spoilers 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 I will I promise. 
there will be time hacks in the show notes. So if you want to avoid, you can just skip to whatever the time hack is for the thing that you've actually watched if you want to hear what we have to say about it. Uh, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Just uh, spoilers. We're not we're not reining ourselves in by saying like we can't talk about something specific. Fair enough. I mean, I never do. And and also, I sort of love it when we can have spoilers because we just free a reign of expression and talking. Right. 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 All right. Uh, but we're because there's so much. Uh, you saw the title: Prey, Sandman, Miss Marvel, Thor, and more, and literally so much we're just gonna get into it and because danny's the guest what do you want to talk about first my dear friend well let's i want to start off with uh the love and thunder Ooh, um, yeah. just one to get it out of the way and two this is probably going to be the most non-spoiler uh discussion on my end because it is coming out soon and you know i want to give the people who are just busy living their adult lives time to watch it because i get it I get it. It's not easy to take a Thursday to go see these things. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if people have busy lives, but uh, what are you doing with that busy life if you're not finding time to talk about Thor Love and Thunder? <laughs> and plus, it's been a while since I've seen it. So, um, okay. that's fair. But yeah. It, it was freaking fun. Completely outrageous. The, the opening scene with, with Thor was was just so bananas it it went full taika and i was all in up for it like it was just great um i think they did a very they did the storyline of gore the god butcher justice um granted it was you know crammed into a two-hour movie or so um but what they did with the material and with christian bale um was just perfect perfect in my book it, it really was. I, I enjoyed the piss out of this movie both times that I saw it. Yeah. I thought Natalie Portman's Jane Jane Foster or uh, Mighty Thor, because she's not Lady Thor or female Thor. She's Thor. She's the Mighty Thor. And, right. And they, you know, they emphasize that in the movie. And, you know, and we all got to introduce back into the band of Valkyrie and and and, and uh, Korg and and uh, it, yeah, it was great. And the use of kind of the shadows and the they added really good horror, spooky elements into this movie to kind of highlight Gore's kind of powers and him using the darkness to intimidate and 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 uh, add fear. It was, it was it was brilliant. It was really it was really well directed. Um, my only critique is that uh, I had too much Guns N' Roses for my taste. <laughs> You're not a big Guns N' Roses fan, I guess. No, it. I am not a big Guns N' Roses fan. But if you were, imagine how much better that movie would have been for you. Yeah, because I spent a lot of the time eye rolling. <laughs> really, really good. All right, I guess. See, I, I like GNR, so it was it was pitch perfect for me. Oh yeah, no, I'm 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 aware I'm on an island on my own on this one, but like, I'm not bitter about it. Like I've accepted that I don't like GNR, and that's okay. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're you're sort of wrong, but it's okay. <laughs> it's it's that's, music. That's, again, it's, 
and of, of all things, like I get like the subjectivity of uh, movies, but when it comes to music, 100%, I like get that. Like music is so personal. And because mm-hmm. it's like, you know what I mean? Like with movies, you're getting sound, you're getting visuals, you're getting all sorts of things. Music, it's just music, you know, unless you're yeah. going to a live concert. And even then, it's still it's still that those tones and those amplitudes battering your ear holes. So, uh, it, but like he's Taika has a gift of kind of the same way as James Gunn of making music a character in the film. And so his use of GNR was actually really well. It was never inappropriate or kind of just done blatantly to, to play Guns N' Roses to get you hyped. Like it really fit the tone and the pacing of the film. Like before I get up, I'm like literally, I'm like, hmm, directors that use music well, and I can already think of like four or five examples. Uh, Edgar um, Wright, James yeah. Gunn, Taika Waititi. Yeah, uh, even okay. even in some ways, Scott Snyder, or not Scott Snyder, uh, the the Snyder Cut guy. Uh, Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder. Yeah, like all, even though he only likes to use Leonard Cohen, like. <laughs> I was gonna oh, yeah. think who's who's the guy who did the uh, Godfather movies? I can't remember his name. Um, Scorsese. Scorsese. He he he's really good at using music too. Yeah yeah yeah. But uh, I I definitely think that uh, the Taika Waititi has I mean freaking immigrant song and and Ragnarok like holy uh, moly. Rad. Yeah yeah he uh, he finds he finds these uh, Thor esque types music and I I appreciate it like. And there, there was some hair metal vibes like in there, and you know, of course, that's going to freaking other iterations of Thor, Eric Masterson. But uh, dude, it just, it was freaking great, like beautifully shot. Um, just I, I, I don't, nobody phoned it in, and I think the only problem that Thor: Love and Thunder has is it's not Ragnarok. You know what I mean? But the problem is we got Ragnarok. I think if Ragnarok didn't exist and the first, you know, Thor you got was Love and Thunder, I I think people would be talking a little bit more about Thor Love and Thunder if Ragnarok you know, didn't exist. But I think yes. There there it's not Ragnarok, but it's not supposed to be Ragnarok. Like it's its own different film. And and com- I guess if you're trying to compare one to tear one down, like it doesn't it it does it, it just negatively affects the film because it, it's just they're different movies. Yeah, they 100% are. Like I don't feel that way. I think they complement each other very well. Yes, in 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 the I guess trilogy, the Taika trilogy that we're getting for Thor. Um, like oh, I, they do, I hope it's a septology. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> just keep going. Um, a, a I, quindrily. I, I, I agree with you. It it does complicate compli- complicate complement. And it also, like, has a progression, but Ragnarok was just so brilliant. But this one, like, it made Ragnarok look tame. Yeah. Like, Love it, and Thunder the, was In the wild department. Bad shit. But I think that kind of speaks to, you know, uh, Thor's journey, Thor Odinson's journey through his kind of grief and his mental struggles and as well as jane and her kind of struggles with her mortality and like everybody in this movie is dealing trying to deal with some form of depression or or grief and overcome that and i think 
the wackiness and all that is kind of to sh- complement it. In well, like I, I was uh, I was thinking about Thor: Love and Thunder, like in prep for this, and it's literally like Taika was sitting down and he read the you know the epic you know Jason Aaron run. I was like, oh, this is good. And then he was like, well, what about all the crazy, wild, colorful stuff? Um, sound like Ringo Starr again. I hate it. Uh, but, you know, he's like, well, what if we took one and matched it with the other? <laughs> and, yeah, so I don't know. I'll stop doing my bad Taika impression. But literally, he's like, please don't. The, the, the Jason Aaron run is great. But what if the crazy, wild, colorful Thor of the 80s and 90s existed in the Jason Aaron run? And like that's not the you know what I mean. I love the Thor of the Jason Aaron run, but like he, I think Taika has probably just read so much Thor by this point as he's like written two movies that he's like, what if it all exists together? <laughs> so yes, Ringo, what if it did all exist together? Um, hi, I'm Korg, made out of rock. Don't need to be afraid unless you're made out of scissors. <laughs> 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 that's always my intro literally we have the little toys from thor love and thunder all the, the boys have most of them we got a uh, tooth nasher tooth grinder korg uh mantis both thors uh valkyrie but always shawnee's coming over with korg and is like rock guy rock guy and it's always oh i'm coke made out of rook <laughs> pretty great by the um, way those fucking goats never got tired of them never and that's never. uh that's a masterpiece that because that that could have gone so wrong it i don't think people understand how the level of difficulty to get those goats to work and not make them completely obnoxious and annoying and take you out of that film but he uses them so perfectly and just the right amount of comedic timing for them to work and i just i love them they were my favorite part of that whole film your favorite part? Yeah, those goats are great. There's not a one time those goats fucking came on and not made me smile. <laughs> I mean, I agree. I thought the I thought the Tooth Nasher and Tooth Grinder were amazing. I I just don't know that uh that they were my favorite. Like they were they're up there. I really really enjoyed them, but uh yeah. I mean, but I think a lot of people like forget that like you know, like, oh, Taika, he's so new. But but he's done so many, like, amazing things. And with Flight of the Concords, he literally, like, honed his comedic chops and how to how many times to be able to tell a joke and still have it be funny, like, over, like, seasons of a show. You know what I mean? I think it was, like, two or three years that Flight of the Concords existed. And he's been, like, he's been attached to so much stuff. Like, I see a lot of people talking about, like, Oh, reservation dogs. It's so great. Yeah, he's connected to that. Freaking our flag means death, what we do in the shadows, the movie and the show, like and then just his comedic timing and lots of things that he's acted in. And I dare say he probably was one of the only good things of that Green Lantern movie. <laughs> so You think Green yeah. Lantern? Yeah, he was the the roommate. You know. He was he was Hal Jordan. Let's take your word for it because I don't remember. Yeah. But then again, I've never seen that movie from front to front to back. I saw an interview with them where they're like, "You've been connected to superheroes for a while." I was like, "Yeah, been meaning to apologize for that Green Lantern movie." <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, he was even connected to Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. You know, he was in yes, it. Yes, he was. So, um, yeah. I just think uh, 
Thor Love and Thunder was just beautiful. It was colorful. It was funny. It made me feel good. It made me feel sad at points. Uh, and like I have I have a couple friends that have, you know, I've, I've dealt with some cancer with some family people stuff. But like, you know, where they had to deal more recently with like aunts and family members. And that entire storyline hit them really hard and was mm-hmm. poignant and, and meant something. And like what what Jane Foster's character does in the movie with all that. Uh, and not, you can't you can't take that away. You can't just be like, oh, it just wasn't as good as Ragnarok. I didn't like it. Well, go fuck yourself because you're wrong. Like, <laughs> like what 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 do you want? You want Shakespeare? Like, if you want Shakespeare, Thor, the closest you're gonna get is that first movie. Sorry, mm-hmm. and it's a good movie. It's it's a really good movie, but it's not what Taika's bringing you. And Kenneth Branagh does Shakespeare, and so he got you got the most Shakespeare you're ever gonna get. But you know. There's only one Romeo and Juliet. There's no freaking sequel. You know what I mean? Sorry, you go watch Macbeth. He dies at the end. Spoilers. There's no sequel. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's other iterations of it, you know? And if you're in the Thor world, it's weird and it's colorful and it's cosmic and it's strange. And uh, Taika Waititi appreciates that about Thor. And it's one of, like, honestly, one of the reasons I didn't think Thor was going to work when I first heard about it. I was like, they're making a Thor movie? Like... And I don't even know if the world would have been ready for Taika's version of Thor. Like from the jump, we totally. had to, ha- yeah, we had to get a foundation and like some, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy goodness and other stuff, like to be ready for that, that weird cosmicy stuff. But honestly, like that's with everything coming out, Phase Five, Phase Six, a uh, Phase Six, I, I'm like, where's my weird cosmic stuff? I need more of it because that's one of the things I enjoy in the MCU. Yeah, where's that's where's my Grandmaster? Yeah, that's why I'm really excited for uh for Nova and even for like a little bit of She-Hulk. No spoilers there, but you know what I mean? There's a I think there's some more cosmic goodness to be had in the MCU and it's not just uh Thanos type characters trying to change the galaxy. Although it sort of is as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I uh I don't what else to say about Thor and Love and Thunder other than I loved it. I thundered it. It it left me Thor. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was smiling so much, my mouth was Thor by the end of it. And then I, I mean, wanted it was. those the goats had me Thor. Got one helping, and then I wanted some Thor. <laughs> <laughs> Thor and Thor, Thor, another. <laughs> to quote uh, a line from that Kenneth Branagh version, it. Uh, and you know the weirdest thing, enjoying the piss out of a Thor movie that didn't have Loki in it. I I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I was curious about the, you know, that's a an interesting experiment. It's the first time that we got we got Thor with uh, without Loki, and uh, turns out he exists without him. I mean, so. that's the whole part of grief, right? Like that, that's part of the storyline. You know, yeah. he lost his brother, he lost his parents. The man's the man's grieving, trying to find his identity. And and Taika does one hell of a montage. Uh huh. And he can do some silly, silly ass outlandish stuff and just have it work. <laughs> and I approve of that so much. <laughs> like borderline the, cartoony and have yeah. it work. In the hands of a less capable storyteller, what what a garbage heap it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, rockabilly owl aliens, like <laughs> uh, weird and fucking weird, hot rods. Freaking uh. Russell Crowe uh, maybe disrespecting the Greek people, but I'm not sure because I'm not Greek and I don't know if I get to have an opinion. Yeah, uh, it, was, it was borderline uh, uh, racist. 
But I mean, with everything, uh, you know, with the ancestral plane in uh, Black Panther and then with everything that we learned in Moon Knight, I also really appreciate like the expansion of uh, deities like within the Marvel Universe and yes. like and and other realms, other planes of existence. And we've gotten we've gotten some bits of that. You know what I mean? The quantum realm leads to a lot of stuff with Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, there's whatever that plane of existence is in Shang-Chi ancestral plane the stuff from moon knight and then stuff that we get we're trying to stay a little spoiler free but stuff that does exist in the thor world yeah yeah there's there's so many different cool besides cosmic just like mystical and otherworldly stuff that can exist and i i dig that very very much you know and i also like the the way that they're just kind of showing how the deities live you know like you know how they how they they command in this new world of heroes. Yeah. Yeah. And like it, it sort of brought it like with Thor, like they scienced our gods, right? Yeah. They made it real sciencey, but we were still in that realm of science, but also getting back to a little bit of a uh, supernatural. So, and I appreciate that. Like you can't explain it away with science, but you don't have to, you don't have to. So, I mean, and with the with the Eternals and, and all that, there's there's so much cool stuff that can exist, and I'm just hoping it does. So, last last thoughts on the Thor Love and Thunder? Um, you know, I can't wait to rewatch it. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's so much fun. It's it's going to be a great background movie, and it's it's a blast. Um, again, it's no Ragnarok, but I don't think it was ever meant to be a Ragnarok, so... Right. <laughs> Speaking of, I actually put on uh, Ragnarok with Shawnee in the room, and it's standard if he wants to watch something. He goes, I don't want this. And I said, you can't stop Ragnarok, Shawnee. Ragnarok has already <laughs> begun. <laughs> and he just looked at me like, I hate you. <laughs> he I doesn't even know. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I wish I had recorded this. I'd be TikTok famous. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, September 8th, Disney, Disney Plus Day. What a gift. And uh, I will definitely be watching it quite a handful of times, I'm sure, because uh, it's a lot of fun, and I want to have some more fun. And it's tight; it's toit like a tiger. And one hour, fifty nine minutes. Ah, uh, so it's just—it's very. There's no fat, no fat on that calf. It's just a a, a thin, lean meal to keep your ticker healthy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, and it it moves. But it spends time where it needs to spend time. And uh, all the portrayals. And yay for Natalie Portman getting to come back. And actually, she was loving it. You could tell. She was in. She I mean, was she got to play an amazing character. Yeah, like, she was. She's just not a damsel in distress or a side character. Like, she right. plays a strong, you know, female that's to be reckoned with, even with her mortality. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anything is. We didn't get as much Tessa Thompson as we wanted just mm-hmm. because, you know, you have to competing screen times. But I liked what we got from Valkyrie. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. She's a uh, she's girl boss status. She's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I could, we're all on the same team. Team Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I liked what Christian Bale brought to Gore. Was it a little bit different than what I read in the comics? Yep. But that's been the same for other characters. So, you know what I mean? And uh, it happens in the comics, too. But uh, I I appreciated I appreciated the way that they did it. You know what I mean? It's a it's a lot of issues 
of of the comic book to get into like two hours, and uh, I appreciated the way they did it. I I enjoy. I liked it very much. <laughs> My friend, I liked it very much because I am Zeus. The, the head of the gods. Yes? Yes, my friend. Yes. Give me Thunderbolt. Where's the orgy? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they do throw that word a lot in that it's movie. Literally my only critique of that film is I could have done with two less mentions of the orgy. So, And if that doesn't titillate you to want to watch it on Disney+, Plus, I don't know what we're going to say. <laughs> so uh, moving on to the next thing. Yes, sir. All right, and I'm proud of us. We made it in under 20 minutes, and we're on to the next one. What do you want next, Mr. Danny? Oh Well, I picked Thor, Love, and Thunder, so you go. Well, so let's stay in the in the House of Marvel and uh, and move on to the literal namesake, only with the Miz in front of it. Let's talk about some Miss Marvel, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so uh, you want me to start, or you want to start, Mr. Danny? You, you take this one, sir. All right, so Miss Marvel, six episodes. Uh, of course, She-Hulk is going on right now, but this is the the newest completed uh, Marvel MCU television show. And man, what a what a delight! Uh, we'll we'll try to stay not as spoilery for this one too, because it has just finished, like you know, three or four weeks ago, but. Man, Amon Vellani as as the character, uh, first time we're actually, well, <laughs> it was the first time there's been another iteration of getting to meet a superhero's family, but like literally meeting a, a person's family and not just their family, their extended family and their friend networks and their and their community networks and their culture networks and and getting this beautiful interwoven tapestry origin story for for a brown girl from New Jersey and and taking a comic that's newer uh, and and taking some liberties, you know, changing some stuff with it, but never changing anything where I was like, oh, I hate that. I was just like, oh, wow, that's cool because there there is the baggage of the inhumans and the mutants and and whatnot that you know there there's interesting stories and and really bad television shows. <laughs> things like that to contend with but just giving just like this great like you start off with just you know brown girl from new jersey and at the end of it you have miss marvel who's going to lead right into other mcu shows other movies other projects and and just a young young cast i mean granted they're probably all 25 and just cast as 16 year olds i know that's not completely true but you know what i mean (laughs) but you know right right in that world of uh spider-man homecoming where you're getting believable actors in high school. But, you know, and then ugh, it's just what what to say about it. You get all the stuff in Jersey City, stuff in Pakistan. Uh, it's just it's freaking gorgeous and and wonderful and lovely. And I, I pass the mic off to you, Danny. <laughs> you know, this was a like a good Spider-Man story. Like it had all of what made Spider-Man such a great character of being a relatable teenager in high school, dealing with great power and having, you know, to deal with a smaller community, right? Your specific community. Um, For diversity, this show is a huge win. And the fact that it hasn't done well is 
is devastating to me. Numbers, view-wise, right? It's just, it's one of the least viewed Marvel things out there, and it's one of the best things they've done for Marvel TV. Like, the show's so much fun. It's so innocent. It's probably the most family-friendly show that Marvel has done. Um, the first two episodes were just fantastic. Um, there are some episodes in the middle that kind of were weirdly paced and just kind of just it was weird. They could have been done better. But the finish, they landed that finish. And I know I've been on record and Blue's been on record about stretchy powers and how much they suck. Um, and so I'm pleased as punch that they remade, they redefined her powers, but without taking away her powers. Right. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think them dealing with more of the alien slash mystical slash kind of ancestral stuff. Um, it's kind of in tune what Marvel's kind of telling right now with their with this new phase or section or half or whatever we're calling this saga portion. Um I can't wait to get more Kamala Khan. Um, you know, she she's gonna play such a big part in the street level uh, Marvel universe. She she's essentially the new Peter Parker since Peter Parker's back at Sony. And they don't need Spider-Man anymore because they have Kamala Khan. And she's gonna she's gonna bring that innocence and that wholeheartedness that grounds the viewer, right? She's gonna be us in the Avengers or whatever they tell. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. Uh, the stuff in Pakistan was wonderful. Um, you know, they really just let it be Pakistani, Indian, Muslim, and it was okay. It was actually refreshing because I got we all got invited to through a window to see these cultures and just kind of learn something new, especially the stuff in the mosques, especially when the uh, they're dealing with uh, damage control and kind of how they learned how to work or handle government agencies, kind of pushing their boundaries or stepping over the line. Right. And you kind of just have to do that because of socially, economically, and religiously, you are on the religious totem pole in this country. And, and yeah, it was good. It was really good. And I, it's fantastic. I, I really loved it. Um, yeah. I love that they handle like some, some real interesting, like social issues. And I don't want to say with kid gloves because it's right there in your face, but they, they just find a way to like, at the last minute, pull the punch, you know what I mean? Where you still feel it. You're like, oh, that was like right in my cheek, man. It stung a little. <laughs> but like it wasn't a full-fledged like punch to the face, so you don't have to get angry about it. You're just like, okay, I see Marvel. Like, easy, easy. <laughs> you could pull a little earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, you know, it it is not to the level of of Lovecraft Country or or uh the the watchman you know what i mean with dealing with like you know the the horrible stuff that happened to you know the tulsa massacres and everything mm -hmm. but there is a whole subset of people that found themselves googling the partition of india and pakistan that had no clue about that history 
that uh, are a little bit wiser because of a silly superhero show on Disney Plus. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of wonderful, you know. And uh, I, I, I can only, as a historian, I'm just like, hell, like you know, me, me and you, like texting back and forth, like in that one episode, like they're talking about government surveillance of Muslims and the partition of freaking India and and this and that, like, bah, like and, <laughs> and cultural issues for like Pakistani women, like, bah, what the fuck is going on? I was like, this is wonderful, and you were like, yeah, man, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's that's just all. I think that was like episode two or episode three. I was just like, what in the world is this show? Yeah, it's, it, was, it was ballsy. And it's so heartfelt. Like, not only do I want more Miss Marvel, I want more Babu and her mom and freaking her brother with the beautiful beard and uh, <laughs> and her, you know, her it might be her cousin or best friend and freaking uh brian <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> i really thought his name was brian oh <laughs> so freaking good uh but yeah just uh yeah and i mean we, i was talking about it with thor we have another thing we have the nor dimension you know what i mean other planes of existence they're yep. they're diving into it and i think if if anything when phase four is all said and done they really dove into like these different planes of existence you know what i mean more than just like you know we get the multiverse and the other planes of existence and it's just the world is so much bigger by the end of phase four and i think maybe that that'd be the entire point of the phase wow i just sort of figured that out on my own i mean (laughs) phase four is probably going to end with uh the negative zone or whatever uh well i mean it's it's going to be wakanda forever so we'll see so She-Hulk and then Wakanda Forever and then Phase 4 is over. And then Phase 5 will start maybe with that? Maybe? Question well, mark? I think it's gonna, they're probably going to start it with the Fantastic Four. Well, that's Phase 6. Then there you go. Yeah. So, But, I mean, they, they've already, they're already creating a world where that makes sense. And by the time it happens, everybody's like, oh, yeah, another plane of existence. I'm picking it up. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> so, yeah, laying, laying a lot of groundwork where all of a sudden, like, it's a different dimension. And you're like, yeah. Because those exist. <laughs> Which is smart, you know what I mean? Like, in the storytelling. It's just, it's crazy. Like, I just, man, it just was so freaking good. And I had a buddy that actually got to see, like, two or three episodes of the show, like, beforehand. With, like, the special effects not crazy good. And he was like, I don't know, they're doing this weird thing where, like, instead of, like, the stretchy powers, it's, like, this weird, like, crystal, like, extension of her body. He's like, and it worked for me, but I'm not sure if it's going to work for everybody. And I was like, oh, here we go, sitting down for this show. Then I was like, oh, I sort of dig that. Okay. And because it's so tied into, like, the powers of Miss Marvel and the Kree stuff and all that, I'm just like, all right, I, I get this. And then, of course, you know, we said we're not going to be spoilers, but by the end of episode six, there's some stuff that goes down where you're like, Oh shit! Really? Okay. All right. Right on. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about, Danny. I know what you're talking about. I know what yeah. you're talking about. But uh, I was just like, oh, I I was not expecting this show to lead us down that road. But I mean, I'm here for it. It's just so much fun, and it's it's so imaginative because they use because they have Kamala Khan as being a very imaginative person. And you see her daydreams, and her daydreams are acted out to the fullest extent with the cast, and it's just, it's so much fun. It really is. Yeah, and they they obviously love the comic that it is based on. You know what I mean? There's a, a pure love for this character. 
they they wanted to to do justice to who she is and who she was and they kept so much incredible amount of stuff considering like the the big changes to her power um but I've, I've listened to some podcasts where people are like they're still telling the same story they've just changed a couple details it's still the same story from like her first introductions uh and they they do some changes like how she gets her costume and stuff but in the end it's so beautiful how it all comes together and and just how she is she is part and a product of the entirety of her existence yep i mean there's and, a bollywood dasiquist that's just fucking nuts oh yeah yeah, and like really some really fun fights where you can tell that they actually cared about the fight choreography, mm-hmm. um, and just some really dazzling. Like, did you watch the behind the scene thing, Danny? No. So I'll just, I'm not gonna I'm not just I will say the Marvel assembled the making of Miss Marvel is just as delightful and wonderful as the show, uh, and they show so much of like the sets and the costumes and the creations of different things. And uh, I was just smiling from ear to ear watching that. And I was like, it was like getting a bonus episode of Miss Marvel. And they didn't tell me any more story. <laughs> and I, I love that, you know, the creator, like one of the creators is involved, like deeply involved. So, you know, she's invested. Like she's not going to let them like jack up this character that was so important to her and representative of so many people that aren't traditionally represented, rep- represented, especially in the world of like superheroes. Yep. And uh, and the world's getting more colorful and weird and vibrant, and I'm here for it. So here for it. It's uh, it, dude, when the whole MCU was like kicking off, you know what I mean? And we're like, okay, we're getting Hulk and Thor and and Cap and Iron Man, and then there's gonna be an Avengers movie. And if someone was like, yeah, and someday Miss Marvel, and you're like, who? Because <laughs> she, she didn't even exist at that time. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, wow. What a what a lovely world. It's it's, it's it's amazing the type of content we're getting. We got Moon Knight, then we got freaking Miss Marvel, and then we're rolling with She-Hulk. Like it it really seems Marvel is a machine, a well-oiled machine that's going for it now. They don't they don't have to have their flagship characters anymore. They can throw out any fan favorite and just make a quality program. And it's fantastic. Uh, and in case anybody wants to check my math, Miss Marvel started in 2013. So go back and look at 2008 in the first Iron Man movie. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, she's she's new as in she didn't exist when the MCU first started. But hot dog, am I happy for her addition to the world? Yep. And I think uh, I'm excited for when, you know, the Marvel's movie comes out. And everybody's like, oh, man, this was enjoyable and, and weird and different. And I want Miller and Miss Marvel. And people are like, bruh, there's like an entire six episode show. Like, <laughs> why have you been sleeping on this? We've been we've been waving our flag the whole time. So uh, I think uh, I think the show could see a bump in that regard. That'd be nice because that show needs love. It it does need love for sure. Um, anything more to say about Miss Marvel, Danny? No, just watch it. Yes, watch it. And if uh, if anybody told you that it wasn't good, question your source. Like, why wasn't it good? That's what I want to know. Like, what was it? And I hear a lot of people like, oh, the special effects. Okay. Like, so what are you watching that has good special effects? Please tell me. Because uh, not, the- not good special effects. What are you watching that has realistic, like, life imitating special effects? 
Or like right. you cannot tell the difference between special effects and reality. I think like that, that I, I like the CGI because it it just has we've seen so much Marvel stuff like that's it's just par for the universe. You know what I mean? I I think they still have some of the best CGI um, out there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, plus we're watching a show of like interdimensional half breeds fighting, you know, with alien technology. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I, I don't understand why the CGI is a hangup. Like, what, what the fuck? Well, I actually, so I, I was watching Miss Marvel, and, like, it said, like, oh, if you like this, you like Captain Marvel. And I had some time. This was, like, several weeks back. But I was like, okay, I think I was re-watching episode six. And I was like, I'll watch it. And then I was like, holy hell, did they make sure that Ms. Marvel's powers are akin to what you see from Carol Danvers? I was like, fudge, that's rad. And then I was like, okay, like, you know what I mean? Like when they care that much, like, yes, with, with a little bit bigger budget and they know that it's going to be on a giant screen. So they have to fill in some of those gaps. Like, absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? There's more money put into the motion pictures, but also like this stuff's expensive. So if you want like that quality, then you're going to have to pay like two to three times as much for your, for your streaming service. You know what I mean? There there has to be a bar for them. You know, they can only spend so much. Or and, just uh, have more people watch it, and then they'll spend the more money on it. Yeah. I, I Lots of money was spent on that show. It was pretty. And she's such a fangirl. Oh, I love it. Like, it, like, justifies, like, so much of my life. My life justified by a 17-year-old <laughs> Pakistani girl from New Jersey. <laughs> Bro, it's how, you know, like, and, and I don't know if that's a hang-up. It's because it's the female teenage lead. But it's so fucking relatable. Like, I don't care male, female, um, non-binary or what. Like, her fandom, her her imagination, her her wonder, the wonderlust. Like, it's so fucking relatable. Her family is so fucking relatable. Um, 100%. Like, I could see myself being, like, I saw myself in Kamala, regardless of her gender and, and her religious background like like there were so many similarities like it's it's she's a great character and a fantastic fantastic actress a fantastress a fantastress <laughs> a fantastress yeah yeah new word fantastress fantastress i mean honestly like when people like really get down on the show it, it leads me to wonder like what their what their true worldview is because i'm like okay is it the fact that she's female? Is it the fact that she's Pakistani? Is it the fact that she's Muslim? Like, are all these the reasons that you're not into this? And just like, bro, look, girl, look around at the world. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's much more vibrant and colorful than uh than one closed off view. And I guess I'll just leave it at that. It's uh, yeah. if you're if you're not enjoying it and you're just like, not in my multiverse, okay. Well, your multiverse is a lot more drab than it needs to be. So, and if you like Spider-Man, you'll you'll enjoy this. 100%. If you like Spider-Man, there's no reason why you wouldn't like Miss Marvel. Right. Absolutely no reason. It's 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 basically the same character, but with living parents. And no spider bites. I mean, you don't know that spiders are real <laughs> reclusive bunch. You might think you Mystical got a pimple. Nor spiders. Bite. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right, I think uh, I think we did a good job. Right. Yes. Right. All right. Yeah, that was good. That was yeah. good. We Watch came 
came right in at the 20 minute mark too. The buzzer just went off. So I'm nice. proud of ourselves. All right, Danny, what you got next? Oh, I guess let's, let's, I know it's not, it just started, but I mean, let's just finish off Marvel with She-Hulk. It's only, it's only been two episodes. Again, I'm just going to refrain from spoilers, but holy fuck, there's a She-Hulk, there's a honest to God She-Hulk show that's just like the comic. Right. It's fantastic. And Tatiana Maslany, you know, if, if you are familiar with Orphan Black, Orphan Black, or a fan like I was of Orphan Black, like, she just has so much charisma, so much charm. It is the perfect casting for Jennifer Walters to fit in this zany, wacky, Deadpoolian style show. Like, it's just, it's it's Charm City. I am charmed. I am in love with Tatiana Maslany. Like, she's so radiant. Like, I can't. I can't take my eyes off her. <laughs> it's so good. It's so uh, good. And it's yeah. so dorky. She's such a fucking dork. It's great. <laughs> it's It's so, like... Yeah, it's it's maybe a lawyer procedural show. I don't know, but oh, it's just so freaking great. Like I just, we both watched the the second episode either last night or today. Uh, and yeah, so so lovely. Like, and She Hulk shouldn't work. It shouldn't, but it does. It, it does. Uh, it does. It does. It one hundred percent does. But I mean, uh, I don't think She Hulk would work if it was just a female Hulk. Correct. It has to be this wacky, this zany for it to work. And it works. It does. I mean, Stanley John Bashima creating it in the 80s, I believe. But uh, John Byrne doing some of the best work on her. And uh, it's right there, right there from his run. You know what I mean? Breaking the fourth wall, humor. Uh, uh, ostensibly, we're going to get into, uh, into her uh, sexuality. Uh, and. Uh, in so much that she's pretty free with uh with what she does and stop stop slut shaming she hulk i've seen all these images of everybody like oh let me just point out all the people on the avengers that she slept with who fucking cares get over yourself jeez you could do the same thing for hawkeye because he was a slut oh yeah you can do bobby drake and tony stark and yeah you know what i mean and thor so like uh, just because it's a female character, let's please refrain from the slut shaming. And the fact is, regardless of what you know about what she did in the comics, this is them to you, and she hasn't done anything yet. So get over yourself. Like I've seen the images; it makes me sick. Stop it. Like if if that's your entire point, like all right, wait till we've seen the nine episodes of the show before you come to any conclusions about who this freaking bright, witty, lovely, charming, amazing She-Hulk is. So, but uh, just tying it into, like, literally finding a way to weave together all of the Hulk continuity. And uh, so far, I'm here for it. They, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite interesting and funny and witty. And, uh, and I like the CGI. And, I mean, we're, we'll obviously do a big, big, you know, review of the entire thing when it's done. But if you're not watching it, you're missing out. Uh, it literally... The beautiful wife today needed to take a nap and decided to cut out time from her nap to watch the next episode of She-Hulk because we're enjoying it that much. It's that great of a show. Yeah. And and if you're a fan of Bruce, like, there's a lot of Bruce and a lot of uh, groundwork for where they're going with his next chapter. So 
Yeah, and of honestly, of so far in two episodes of the the Marvel TV that they've done on Disney Plus, this one is tied into the most non She Hulk Marvel content of any show so far. <laughs> they've literally connected to at least three films in two episodes of the show. So I'm thinking, hold on, I'm thinking. Well, there's obviously the Edward Norton one, right? Because I, no I mean, I, I was, I'm gonna say at least three or four. At least three, yeah. I'm gonna say four. Okay. But we'll well, chat, we, we can chat out. We can chat after line because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what we're just saying. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, oh, none of these shows connect to anything. Not gonna be one of your hangups when it comes to She-Hulk. Oh no, it's it, it's there's well, so there, there's repercussions. There's consequences and repercussions in this motherfucker. And and uh, oh yeah, it's definitely four because of of one thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, yeah, talk, we'll talk about yeah, afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right, cool beans. But uh, that's that's enough She-Hulk, I think, before we uh, we run the risk of spoiling anything, right? Yes. It's uh, really good. You should watch it. Man, I, I I like it. Literally, it's so good. I'm like, darn it, I have to wait a week for another one. And I feel that about all of them. I get it. You're like, you say that about all of them. Yes, but I really I mean it this time. <laughs> I don't, and I can say I'm with you on that one. Well, I mean, like, yeah, of all the Marvel TVs, I want to, I want the next episode, but like, this is one where I'm like, man, it might, might just be worth like waiting and binging the whole thing because then you don't have to wait for the next zany, lighthearted amazingness, you know? I just think that the the tone and the pacing and just how fun this show is, I think binging it would be a blast and it would go so quick. Yeah. So quickly, just on to the next one. Well, I mean, I can already say, like, I've rewatched, like, both episodes, like, really close to the watch of the first one, just because I wanted to enjoy more. And I'm so- going to say right now, these episodes have already felt like 30 minute episodes. Yeah. They don't feel like one hour. Okay. Well, I think that's uh, by design, right? Because it's supposed to be like mm-hmm. a sitcom I I don't know what it's supposed to be like, but it's fucking. The pacing in it, it's just so much. It's so fun and just so entertaining that it just moves quickly yeah yeah it's uh it's really really freaking good watch it friends that's what that's what we have to say watch it so is it uh going on to me next yes sir all right so since uh we're doing like the non-spoiler uh and just talking about stuff real quick i just want to say i watched the very first episode of house of the dragon so here's what I will say before before the show's coming out. You're like, oh, it's a Game of Thrones world. Like, I've got some feelings about it. Bugga, bugga, bugga. Uh, but they're promising you dragons. Can, it's OK. You can say it's me. You can say it's me. It's OK. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> no, no well, and they're promising 10 dragons. Is, is it, When I return to this world, is it going to work? And so far, one, one episode, episode in, it's working for me. Dragons right on Front Street. Um, and... Uh, characters that I don't know, don't know if they're good, don't know if they're bad. I think they're all bad. They're probably all good. I don't know. Uh, there's There's been a big shocking moment that, wow, I don't know if I needed it, but I got it. Uh, that's sort of the same idea as like the Red Wedding. Like, I don't know that I ever needed that in my life, but I got it. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm interested in the world. I want to see the Targaryen, like, Civil War. I want to see dragons fighting. I want to see all this like rivalry in King's Landing. And so far, this the seeds have been sown for it, and I enjoyed it. I've watched it twice, although I will say the scene that was really shocking to me, fast-forwarded through it because I couldn't do that to myself again. That's a one-time viewing, I think. Um, really? 
Yeah, it's and it's interwoven with some really cool stuff, but I just couldn't I couldn't just like pause and fast forward. I was just like, I, I can't. It's it's a lot. Um, and that that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, especially uh, as as a male. I don't know, you know what I mean. Uh, but it's definitely not something I would have my beautiful Heather watch. Um, but yeah, uh, it just but it was good. It serves the story. Uh, it's just wow. And I mean, if there's gonna be more of that in the show, then we'll see. Wow. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's it's Game of Thrones, so uh, there's nudity, there's fuckery, there's battles, there's blood, there's, <laughs> there's dragons. <laughs> yes, you know, I love uh, so you some good fuckery. All, all the <laughs> all the all the TNA you come to expect from a Game of Thrones show. Although they said that they tempered it down, I don't know that I felt that way. It was an a, a obligatory HBO version of it. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it, and I, I want to watch more, and I want to see how this all shakes out. And it apparently is based on a a book that uh, my buddy Jack says was really good from George R. R. Martin, written more like a history than a, a you know a, a piece of prose, you know, fiction. But um, yeah, so far so good. And uh, I don't think there's I don't think it's bad. I think it's made by people that love the material. I, it feels as if they realize like how much Game of Thrones risked losing everybody. So they're back at it, or they're at least trying to be back at it, and time will tell when it's all said and done. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Any uh, any thoughts, Mr. Danny? I don't know. I'm 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 in that camp. I was just I'm not saying I didn't like the ending because I like some facet of how the Game of Thrones ended ended, but like the overall mishandling of the last ha- couple seasons. It, it just ruined the show for me. Like it, it was like the greatest thing that was on television at that time. And then the last two, three seasons were just, I just, they were just so bad. And, and then the final season was just awful. And there, it just, it just, this is the, I don't know. It just had so many more questions and it just, they, they seemed to cater to the show so much in the beginning and at the end, it just seemed like they didn't give a fuck. And so now they're trying to hop into that boat. And it's it's hard for me to even get excited to even gain the interest to, and the curiosity to watch the first episode. Um, so I'm just going to wait and see kind of how it progresses and moves on. Um, I mean, the, the Game of Thrones, like, we were doing watch parties, like we would go over to a friend's house and it'd be like six of us, you know, we'd do dinner and drinks and then like watch the show at seven or whatever. Like it was it it became a household event. And by the last season, like it was just so lackluster. So I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. Not that I'm not open to it. I'm open to, to, for, to hear your opinions and kind of how it plays out. But am I going to wait on my uh edge of the seat every sunday to watch the show fuck no so at least not I, right now of, of all the shows i actually watch this one live because it has the benefit that uh, i do have cable and i have hbo so i can watch it at nine o'clock you know what i mean i'm not watching it at midnight when it drops on a streamer yeah uh, and they had a countdown and i'll admit i was excited i was like four more minutes and uh and i've talked to quite a few people about the show and it it was the biggest premiere that hbo has ever had for any show so the the fan base is still there and the excitement is still there and uh i was not disappointed by the first one but man 
they came out they came out hard with a moment where I was just like, Ooh, ooh, Lordy, that was a choice. Uh, but you know, yeah, dragons right away. I to put it in my notes, dragons right on Front Street. <laughs> but they didn't over dragon, which I also appreciated. I, I hope for future episodes where there's uh, draggery everywhere. <laughs> but uh but yeah, they uh they they chose the points with the dragons really, really nicely and succinctly and uh and gave me enough intrigue for like some different characters and some new houses and uh yeah i'm interested i uh i will be very curious to see how it all plays out and i'm sure there'll be lots of people talking about it and that's okay you know what i mean because uh game of thrones was a cultural moment so we'll see we'll see if lightning can strike twice uh but i think there's a lot of people uh joining in trepidation and i'm i'm with you you know what I mean? I'm I'm fully prepared to just be like, oh man, why'd you have to Gotham me? Like, okay. <laughs> when they, they sell the show one way and then it becomes a different, completely show in the second. Yeah. After that. Yeah. Or I think Gotham just like I'm still watching, but man, I don't know why. <laughs> so this show has nothing to do with Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so that's uh that's enough House of the Dragon talk. What you got next, Danny? All right, let's see what I got. Uh, da, 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 da. <sighs> All right, so I'm going to stick on the comic book train since we're on it. And I finished not that long ago, actually two nights ago, I finished The Sandman. And yeah. I only finished two nights ago because I watched the, the bonus episodes that dropped um, earlier this week. So... I finally got to, around to watching those. Um, nice. Yeah. yeah, that show was fantastic. It was beautiful. It was goth. Like, real goth. Not like emo punk goth, but like legit, like cure fucking just dark 80s goth. Um, it was romantic. It was nightmarish. It was intelligent. It was funny. It was just, it was just so grand, and it was a spectacle, and it was just so beautiful. It was so art, not like beautiful, like in beauty, but like how art is beautiful. Like it was very artsy. I was gonna say artsiful, but that's not. <laughs> but it was it very is now. <laughs> but it was very. It was just very artsy. It was everything was just so curated and painted and meticulous. And like even the casting was just so perfect. Like Gwendolyn Christie playing Lucifer was just so brilliant of a cast because she fucking destroyed that role. Indeed. Thank you. Um, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olivia Coleman as Joanna Constantine, perfect for that role. Just, I get it. They did a gender swap forever legal or whatever reason they did it for, but like she just was the perfect Constantine, whether it be John or Joanna. She just nailed it down, like completely I'm, believable. Her Morpheus Constantine was really good. <laughs> no, it's just Neil Gaiman came out and made a big point of it, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start saying Constantine. <laughs> I just made some parts of fool. So, um, 
Morpheus was just he looked straight out of a fucking panel. Like, yeah, what a what a hard character to bring to life, and they did such a good job. But the actor was just the the, yeah, the, the Tom somber, so good. You know, the just his tone and his acting, and like when he got angry, you felt that anger. Like it was so Shakespearean of an experience. Like it was so well done. It was just it's such a beautiful. It's so tragic, but tragic in an artful way where it's beautiful and yeah the 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 short time we have with death in that episode man was that fucking rough watching people dealing with dying and the mortality and like it's just woo man well yeah like right right in the middle of the series with episode 5 24 7 and then episode 6 the sound of her wings two of the best episodes of the entire entire show Oh, my favorite episode was the one with the uh, the man that never dies. Yeah, that's the sound of her wings. Oh, was it? Which, by the way, I know we're not doing spoilers, but fuck that. That bet is bullshit, right? Because if I got to live forever, being 35 or whatever the fuck, like, yeah, I'm never going to want to fucking die. Like, I get to be fucking young for the rest of my fucking life. I get to enjoy life. <laughs> like, like, if I aged forever... Like, that's a whole different conversation. Of course I want to want to fucking die eventually as my body fails me, you know, 80 years into this fucking contract. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm not making it to fucking 1580s, let alone the fucking 1980s in this arrangement if I just kept fucking aging. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. It's just, I was just... When he said he was going to live forever, I was just like, oh, you're going to want to die soon. But no, you got to stay the same age. I was like, that's some bullshit. <laughs> no? Is that just okay. mean that never occurred to you watching that? No, I, I I get it. But, like, you know, not everybody's going to feel that way. Like, you know, you get enough tragedy and you may just want to be done. I don't know. So, but basically, like they they take a uh, Sandman one through eighteen issues one through eighteen, and they they turn it into a season. Dreams and soliloquies, right? Is that first collection, that first mm-hmm. trade paperback? Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, like you know, we saw the pictures, we saw that it looked pretty, uh, we saw the casting, but like the the proof is in the pudding. Once uh, you're like, ooh, vanilla, chocolate, ooh, tapioca. Uh, and well, what a delicious pudding it was. And, you know, you, you can have your pudding because you got some meat. Like, <laughs> it's so, uh, it's crazy. And, like, the cast of it, there's, like, the main cast. But then, like, if you go on a cast list, like, with co-stars and recurring and guests, it's just this so many freaking, I mean, Luke Skywalker was in this Dabgum show. He's the voice of Mervyn Pumpkinhead. He wasn't in it enough. <laughs> well, hopefully we get more seasons. Although, even though it's done great worldwide, people there's been no announcement of a second season, and that makes no freaking sense to me whatsoever. I mean, Netflix isn't isn't one to really renew shows. <sighs> it makes me sad because it's, it's just so not. freaking good. Honestly, multiple seasons of a show is very rare, very rare for Netflix. Really they usually is. give it a second season. <laughs> But, but you're right with the, with with the views and and where it's ranking the fact that they haven't already announced a season two like it's a shame and it's and it's crazy because like this is a project 
that's been in development for fucking decades. You you would hear ramblings and and castings and like you know Jason Gordon Levitt and all this other stuff, but I feel like this was the time for it. The cast was the time for it. like this was the right moment in history where we would get an honest, genuine interpretation of these stories. Yeah, and like a, a comic that was woke before woke was even a word. Yeah, they, there's some fucking. Man, they talk about some stuff in this that's that's outrageous. That that diner scene was fucking nuts. Uh, the serial con was fucking nuts. Um, the episode with Calliope was fucking nuts. And man, that was a good episode. Oh man, was it was bad. a good episode. That cat one was fucking tragic. Oh my god, this this show yeah. is making you emotional, man. That's all I can tell you. The Nine of a Thousand Cats I probably could have done in a different format. Uh, it felt sort of rushed and, and not so great to me. But the story's so good, I can forgive it. Um, I, but, I, like, I like the anthology aspect of it, where they can do an episode in a completely different style. Whether it be for time, or whether it be for like uh, cost saving, or whatever, whatever it is, reasons that they had to do it. But since it, they're kind of anthology stories, the fact that they did it that way, like, I, I love it. I love anthology. So I think it just stood out because it's the only one that looks different at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need an animatrix for the Sandman. I'm okay with it being live action and, like, one style. But we'll see if they get you a second like, season. How, how, do you, how do you do an episode about cats with real cats? Like, well, you you don't. It's such. If you want the superior version of that story, read the fucking comic. You know what I mean? Well, excuse uh, me, Mister Fucking Literary over here. No, but it's not literary because the comic is the pictures right in front of you too. I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I have to watch it again. But I sort of was like, man, okay. Like riding so high as I was on the ten episodes, if it wasn't bookended by the Calliope portion. I probably would have been like, eh, I could have done without it. But, I mean, it's such an interesting story. And everybody's like, how the heck could they do this in live action? And I wish they'd tried. You know what I mean? So, and and yes, I realize it's hard and CGI and it's probably expensive. But if you can't do it in live action, then just don't. Because it still exists in the comics. You know what I mean? That uh, the story doesn't bring anything extra to the world of the Sandman. It's just a story. Whereas you got more for the Calliope story. You know what I mean? It brought in the world. It brought in the backstory. So, I don't know. That's just sort of where I stood on it. But it it wasn't horrible. It just was. It's like if I was going to give you one critique of the entire Sandman, I could have done without that House of a Thousand Cats version. That's just me. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, the rest of it, wow. So crazy. Literally, like, two storylines compounded into one season. Like, one through five is one big story with what goes on with, with Dream and, and, you know, the people of Earth and blah, blah, blah. And then the second one is the dollhouse story, you know, which is also really, really interesting. And you feel the, the change between it. But as it ramps up, once you get to episode five with 24-7 in the diner, you're like, what in the world is happening? This is crazy. This is lovely. This is this is bonkers. Like, who wrote this? Who is this madman? And he turns out he's like a really, really nice British man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't turn your back on him. But he, he, by all accounts, is a really, really dear, sweet British man. 
and then, but you know, once you get 24 seven, then that can lead you right into everything that goes down with the, with the dollhouse and the serial convention and all that. Uh, and then, you know, before they get into all of that, you get just that lovely, lovely, you know, on the sound of her wings and also the story of, uh, the deal with the guy. I think, uh, I wrote down somewhere which uh, which comics that was that did it. It was uh, Salmon number eight and Salmon number thirteen. So it's the Sound of Her Wings and Men of Good Fortune. So they took two stories, they put together, and wow, that episode it better win some Emmys. That's all I'm saying. It's uh, it it just def- it was it blown away, blown away. And I know I definitely I don't want to I don't want to spoil it too bad, but I I said like Danny like what the f not even a warning. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's, the, and it was that's, some... that's the beauty and tragedy of death, bro. But yeah, Kirby Hal Baptiste is death. Like I get it. I get death in the Sandman comics and how like iconic that character and her look is, but man, it was so good. She, she just, yeah, it's okay because she brought so much to it. Uh, and and you know that's that's your first introduction you know to the endless really because until that point it's just dreams so you know Mm -hmm. once you meet her you're like i have to meet more people and (laughs) spoiler they're not all as great great or kind and loving as death which is a weird thing to say (laughs) i mean fucking desire what a great casting for desire indeed indeed yeah i mean if i had one complaint i guess i don't really care much for despair okay like in the comics, period, or no, the in the show. Okay, like, so, so I was just like, eh. I liked the fates and the. All the fates were good. Yeah. And Cain and Abel, I never thought we would see live action Cain and Abel. You know what I mean? I mean, like, Cain and Abel first... were fucking. You know, they remind me a lot of the um of the uh of the aunts from Sabrina. Okay. But it was, it, they're great. They're they're funny and. And, and I like the fact that, you know, since they were real, they weren't really, like, within control of Morpheus. Yeah, and I, I love that they were two Middle Eastern men. You know what I mean? Yes. It's so freaking, like, yes, let's be let's be true that if there is a possibility that they are the biblical Cain and Abel, make them look like what they would have looked like. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and I mean, for me, because I'm such a Swamp Thing guy, like Cain and Abel pop up in those comics. Uh, I just, uh, wow, what a what a world, what a what a weird, lovely world that we get to get to live in with this entertainment. Yep. It uh, it made me very very happy inside. And uh, yeah, just guys, if you haven't watched it on Netflix, just do yourself the favor, like. Carve out, carve out little sections of time. Even if you just watch one episode every other day, then you've got yourself two weeks of some enjoyable entertainment. For real, and it's you're doing yourself a, a disservice by not watching such. I mean, not even a comic book property, but just a piece of of real cinematic art. Well, so much like Neil Gaiman stuff is so like literature. You know what I mean? It it falls right in there from. From you know the stuff he did with uh with gods and then with that and he just he he just is an amazing writer and the fact that uh some of his stuff wasn't just novels and is these lovely comics it's just amazing uh the, the more of his work adapted please and thank you like angels and demons 
he's just so yeah just an amazing writer and you uh you'd be hard pressed to find something that he's done that just sucks like in fact i'd I'd probably say you were wrong if you were just like but like the movie Coraline, if you like that thank you neil gaiman uh good omens american gods like sandman so much So, so so much also good yeah yeah it's just uh crazy he's done stuff with norse mythology and Oh, wow. What a what an immensely talented and all by all accounts, very, very nice. Maybe a little twisted in the brain when he's writing, but uh, or maybe he's imprisoned to muse. We don't know. <laughs> maybe he's telling us all along that that's where it comes from because he does some really uh, different, different work. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, good, good stuff. And, and you should watch it. And if uh, you've heard, if, watch it. If you've heard anybody say like, "Oh, it's a woke agenda," forget those people. It's not. I, are there many different versions of people and authentic identities? Yes, because that is representative of the world we live in. Yes. But uh, yeah, if you like Constantine, won't disappoint. You like the world of the Sandman already? I'm telling you, like that that book on tape. Uh, it's, it's not books on tape. I'm so old. <laughs> the, the cliff uh, notes. The, <laughs> no, the, I mean they did the where the you audible. Can, yeah, the audible. Apparently, it's really, really good. I haven't listened to it, and the voices are really, really good. But uh, they they did a worthy companion, and it it's not the comics because it's an adaptation. But it's an adaptation hand adapted by the creator. So if you're like, this isn't Sandman. Neil Gaiman says it is. the the creator says it is so it is and uh it man i can't believe like it's so good it's i can't wait for blue to hopefully watch this someday and have opinions on it Ooh, because he has opinions he does but i yeah i think like this literally was made for blue really yeah i really i really think so i know he likes the world of the sandman and uh yeah, it's it's just some quality. Does it start a little slow? Maybe, if you don't know the source material. But honestly, a lot of people will tell you, like, the first, like, collection of stories is not... Like, you shouldn't read that and decide if you're going to keep going with Sandman. You should just keep going. <laughs> because a lot of people don't really dig. Like, if you just hand them those first, like, 12 issues, you're like, here you go. Like, okay, thanks. That was fine. I'm done. It's like, no, no, no. You got to keep going. Oh, my God. There's so much stuff. And even Neil Gaiman himself has said he didn't even find his voice for the salmon until he started doing the anthology stories. So, but they found a way to take something that some people think is boring and make a beautiful freaking show out of it. And that's Um, that's saying something. I mean, yeah, it started off slow, but I think it really sets the, the tone for the show. Like, I didn't think it'll slow as a negative. Like, it's establishing a story and anytime you establish a story, it's going to take a slow walk because you need to kind of get there before you run. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it, it built up. And once, uh, once it set its feet firmly in the ground, man, did it fly really, really good. Anything more to say on it, Danny? No, sir. All right. So that goes to me with something next. Yes, sir. All right. So I guess what we can talk about next is Westworld season four. Okay. So I don't want to spoil it, but I think Danny always makes me laugh because every time we're watching Westworld together and talking about it, he's always like, this show's too smart for me. I don't think you give yourself enough credit, Danny. 
because uh, you're a really, really smart human being. That Sorry, but- said, holy gamoli bajoli, did they find a way at the end where Denny's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I feel like I missed something big in the reveal because I was just like, was I not paying attention? Like, did I miss something? Like, I don't, <laughs> there was like a complete jump in it where I'm just like, I don't know if this is a setup for the last season that they're t- probably going to do. Cause it feels like if there's the next season, it's probably going to be the last one because it just did not tie in at all with this season four, at least to me. So like, yeah, I have no idea, bro. I've gone back and rewatched the final episode, and I can tell you, I don't think we missed anything. I think there's a lot of mystery, and I think that is purposeful and 100% has to do with what their plans are for season five. What I I will say is in season four, you know, you wondered, so you get, you know, your first season, uh, human-based hosts, all the stuff with the hosts and them like, you know, trying to figure out their own autonomy and their existence. Season two gets even deeper into that. And the mystery expounds and you find out more for like the creators and whatnot. And you start getting a little bit of time jump stuff. Well, you got that in the first season too. Season three is what happens when the hosts are trying to get their revenge in the real world. Um, and it still has all the technology, but it's it's much more real. It's not in this fake fantasy world, but it's still dealing with the corporations that do all that. So you're like at the end of it, you know, with everything like exploding, you're like, where do they go from here? And they found a way. Oh, hot dog. Where you're like, oh, well, that's a twist. And uh, wow, was it bloody and timey wimey and just whoa, whoa's a whoa's a whoa. And uh, by the end of it, you know, it's just it is like carnage to the max and within all that you're like i know what's going on and then at the very end they're like no you don't nobody does maybe we don't even know what's going on <laughs> you're like i'm here for it where's my next where's my next season <laughs> uh i definitely did a lot of the show is so great with its its twists and turns and uh you know i would have i would have told you by the time they were done with season three that the creative well probably was dry like you know, they could have ended after season three and I would have been like, OK, that was satisfying. Uh, but they they found an angle and there's some really creative people, some really, really smart writers. And uh, boy, howdy, did they take us on a trip? Do you agree, Mr. Danny? Like, yeah, they took us on the trip because I felt like this season, even though it really wasn't set as a Western, was the most compatible to season one in the sense that. There was time jumps and and stories that were being told non-chronologically that matched up with the style of season one, where you're just like, I don't know if this is the past, I don't know if this is the future, or if this isn't even happening in the reality. Like, there was just so many storylines where they, I guess, gotcha storylines were like, ha ha, gotcha. Um, <laughs> Because it kind of, like, some of the stuff made sense. Like, it, but not when you know it when you're watching it at the time, especially the stuff with Dolores. Um, yeah. Like, I did not see any of that coming. And it still wasn't explained to me, at least on my end. Like, I, I don't understand what's going on. Um, I, I'm just glad uh, Breaking Bad Boy 
uh, is continuing to get work and didn't just become a one-hit wonder with uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> you know, good for him. Yeah, you know, his I mean, story, his tragic story with, you know, with his daughter. Um, Maeve is a complete badass, and I kind of like, you know, the like, yeah, Maeve in season two and season three was a complete fucking just B.A., but in this season, she's she's old and busted. She's she's two models too old, and she's just kind of got to keep up and with the new tech. And and I don't really oh. understand. Fuck it, let's just talk about it because I, I I I don't get it. <laughs> so like, I don't understand what happened. Like, I get what happened to a number of humans, right? With with the flies infecting them with the the technovirus that allowed them to be corrupted into the same format as the, the host. But was that all humans? Because obviously there was a, a pocket of resistance, but was that all the resistance? Was it just like six dudes in the desert? Was there, is there another like section of humanity that is disconnected from what is going on? Like, like it seems like humanity ended, but it kind of did not So I don't really know kind of, the cost like what's what what are the what's 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 the cost of this what's the what's the word i'm thinking of the uh what what's the weight of what's going on with the stuff with the host in the west world like is it contained into nevada or is this a global thing like is it just new york is that even really new york is it just another um playground or park like i don't i i don't know and maybe those questions didn't get answered specifically because they want to answer them next season. I don't know. Do you have thoughts on anything I just said, or did I lose you and sound crazy? So I gave some thought to it. Like, you know, like when we get into like season, season two and season three, like, you know what I mean? There, there are, there's a city that's close to whatever Delos is doing with the park. Um, and we, we don't know like how far like humanity is spread. I, I got the idea that, either humanity is all conglomerated into this area based on whatever has happened in the world or this is going on on a global scale and we're just seeing you know the effects of one city um i don't i don't know what you know tessa thompson's character uh did to humanity with the technovirus you know it's entirely possible that you know she infected the world and then this is just her 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 game, you know, so to speak, is this city. This is all she's allowed to live. I don't think there's many outliers. Uh, I don't think they're this huge, like, unified front. I think that they are just, like, this hard scrabble, like, you know, group uh, several dozens, and they're just trying to figure it out. And because everything's on this scale with whatever's going on, uh, they're just trying to figure it out um, and trying to rescue people as they can and just get along. I know, like, at the end of season three, there's a whole lot of, big splody stuff so maybe that's what happened to humanity you know what i mean was when they when they all did that uh i don't know um but yeah it's interesting i don't know that the not knowing takes away from the story for me i mean it does for me because like i don't I, i'm not tracking what's going on right like the they leave a lot of room for assumption and i understand that because that's part of the journey of westworld right they want you to ride a roller coaster of assumption, and then they'll tell you when they're ready to tell you. 
And that's that's how it's been for four seasons. So like, right. if you're watching Westworld, like you're buying a ticket to not know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> oh, it's such a lovely way. Yeah. So like, so it, it's just it's just hard because like, when Dolores goes back to the West, like I I don't know if that's just in her mind. I don't know if just that's in the uh, what do they call it Nirvana or whatever the fucking the, right. the, the fields like is it just in the last essence of computer programming that's left that's being ran by a drying up dam um like what like or is it like the last theme part? like this is it this is the last story and everybody's going to be a host well not really everybody because you know doesn't seem like some characters are coming back but yeah then i think uh, i i hope that we get that final season to like wrap it up and explain and like, and give us the finality to it. I like the beauty of it going back to where it began. You know what I mean? The humanity springs forth from the garden of Eden and it ends in one final garden. I if mean, you will. if it's the motif of the maze, right? The, the maze that they've showed from season one is a circle. Yeah. So, it, uh, so for them to go full circle would be, poetic the one thing i will say is season one season two i love the piss out of them season three i was like you know it's really good but i don't know if it's as good as it was in season one and season two and i feel as if with season four they got me back that they found that magic from the first two seasons and brought me back into it where i was just like oh new episode gotta watch it oh i love this you know what i mean so, and in season three, I didn't care about Breaking Bad, dude. I was like, ah, okay, sure. He's with Maeve. That's fine. But then they they got me interested in, like, following and caring for the character in season four. And it was, was you know, I guess I just don't care about the mercenaries with, like, the war history. I've got friends that have more important, interesting lives than this dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, but... But, you know, introducing the daughter and all that stuff, I was like, okay, I'm back on board. Like, this character is now interesting to me. There's something to give a shit about. And, uh, and I, I, you know, you know, they, they got us with the, the World War II world and the samurai world and the, the Roman world. And, hey, way to go with the Roaring Twenties world. Like, yeah, right that on. Was that was really rad. Yeah. And, I mean... Yeah, I, I, I just liked Aaron Paul's character more, Caleb. I liked his character more in the fourth season. And, like, everything that I watched in season three got me to season four. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, a little bit. I liked him more in this season. Huh? I liked him more in this season. In season four? Yeah. Yeah, I liked him more in season four. That's what I'm saying. No, I thought you said you liked him more in season three. Oh, no, I didn't really like him in season three. Oh, I heard you wrong. Yeah, I, I did not. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. The war treated you bad. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It feels maybe it felt too real. <laughs> like, give me more robots. Robots. Uh, but yeah. So uh, I, I just and, I, and, I enjoyed it. And I think it's definitely worth a watch. I will say you can't go into season four without watching everything that comes before it. That's not that like, kind of show, friend. Fucking Ed Harris. Oh, yeah. At 72. Just fucking killing it. That dude is fucking amazing. An amazing actor. He really is. And 
to be at his age and to play that type of character, so menacing, so intimidating, and just so ruthless. Like, he's just a fucking great actor. It really is. And if you like Tessa Thompson, Westworld will not disappoint you in that regard. Especially this season. This season, she really sh- they really let her fucking shine. Yeah, they did. Season. Yeah. They uh I mean all the all the actors just great. And I mean even even freaking uh what's his noodle? Cyclops. Uh <laughs> James Marsden? Yeah, yes. James Marsden. Like even like Teddy. Like wow. Like it's it's so interesting like what they what they did and like you know the opposite of that grand macho character you know they they find unique ways to tell story with them uh, and there's some heartbreaking stuff uh but there's also like interwoven love stories and it was just beautiful and yes the the last episode is a bit of a mind bender for sure but that's on purpose it really is on purpose i think i if nothing that they do in westworld is not by design Yes. So and it's it's great sci-fi. It's dystopia, uh, and uh, it's interesting. You know what I mean? There's always like there's tons of stories about the machines taking over, uh, but they they do a really delightful job of of subverting that idea, and uh, I enjoy it very much. And I'm I was surprised like the season four like oh cool I didn't know that was happening. And then I'm like oh it's happening, so happening, <laughs> and uh, it was a, a nice little treat for my brain. I, I like things. I love all my superhero stuff. Don't get me wrong. You know that. But uh, I also like when it's just some good sci-fi that's uh, disconnected from all these uh, pantheons of information that I shove into it. You know, no Star Wars, no no Marvel, no DCs, just uh, just some good sci-fi. Yeah, and it's, I'm, it's I'm grateful it exists. It is. Is that all we have to say about Westworld season four? Yeah, I mean, without spoiling it yet. Okay, so do you have a next thing, or do you want me to submit since we are running shorter on time? Are we running short? I can I can go two more. Okay. Well, I mean, I have a I have a bunch of things that I just wanted to briefly talk about, but I think we need to talk about prey. That, that's a that's that was my next one. Okay. Cool. Prey. How fucking prey for us sinners. Oh god, it was so good. So fucking rad, right? Like I know there's yes. a lot of hype. Um about this movie and i'm not all about hype but this movie is that fucking good yes indeed it is simple it is captures the imagination it uses its tools very well i mean you're the historian so like i think this period was fucking perfect amber moon thunder uh mid thunder mid thunder Fuck, she's so great in this role as such a strong feminist. Uh, was she Comanche? Um, Cherokee? I'm not. No, so the 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 natives are Comanche in the movie. It's a Comanche. So like, as a Comanche like prospect warrior, and you know more about Native American history than I do, so I don't know what their gender roles were. If females were allowed to do masculine activities, like be a hunter, but like her determination to prove herself to her tribe was just like, that storyline itself is the, is a movie. Like if that was, if you took out the alien in this movie and it was just about a Comanche female who was trying to prove herself to be as worthy 
as anybody else, male or female, in this tribe, like, that's a fucking movie that I would watch. It's just her hunting a fucking bear or a fucking mountain lion or whatever it is. Like, that's a movie I would have watched, and I would be in here talking about what I'm watching. I'm watching this weird Comanche fucking female going around hunting a fucking bear. Like, this movie's fucking great. (laughs) But you throw in a fucking predator, like, holy shit. Like, fuck. Just fuck. And, like, I like the subtle homages to prior, well, specifically the first Predator film that they did because it was very subtle, but it wasn't, like, blatant or in your face. Like, it was done in a way, like, it fit the story, it fit the scene, and if you got it, you got it. Right. Um, I thought even making the Predator more primitive for the time was also, like, wonderfully effective. It's not the Predator that you see in the 80s in the jungle. It's, it's I guess, one that has older or more fitting technology for the time, so that way it's not completely... OP, but at the same time, it has to have technology because how else are you going to travel through inner space into a fucking foreign alien planet and to hunt whatever the fuck you're going to hunt? Right. Without having some kind of technology? Yeah. It, dude, it's just freaking great. Like the, the, the historian of like indigenous history in the Americas just rejoiced at it. The, the lover of, of just sci fi action loved it. Uh, it just it, it hit me on so many different levels, and I knew everybody was talking about it. I just had to find time to get to it. And I was like, I know, I know. Don't talk about it yet. Just let me get to it, please, please. I mean, it's a predator movie, so like I know the beats, I know the way it has to end, but I still was like charmingly surprised by how it does end. And yeah. and uh, and I knew that it was like this vehicle for Amber Mid Thunder, who you know, me and Danny loving Legion, were like, she's cool, like. She fights. She's rad. But she like she brought this whole new dimension of her acting in. And yeah. And uh, I didn't. I wanted to watch the Comanche dub, like all Comanche. Unfortunately, I couldn't figure out how to do it on Hulu. So I did watch where it's just part English, part Comanche. I'm going to go back and watch it where it's just all Comanche. Just because I feel like I owe that to the people and the creators. Especially because all the actors came back and recorded all their dialogue in Comanche. So it could exist. So... But yeah, it uh, it's it's just crazy, you know what I mean? And just the fact that when it's the French, it's just French, no subtitles neither. Just uh, you know what I mean? So much story told where you don't even have to know what it is the characters are saying. I mean, I like it when they do it that way because you're watching a movie from that specific culture's perspective, right? So for them to speak English would make sense because you need to understand as the audience what's going on. So if you encountered a culture that did not speak your language, you're not going to understand what the fuck they're saying anyways. So for them not to speak English and to speak French makes the world of sense. Like, I love when they do that because as an audience member, like you're, you're in with um, Amber, you shouldn't know what the fuck the French are saying because you do not speak French. So you should be as confused, as lost, and as scared as she is. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's just, like, even even the fact that they filmed on, like, First Nation land in Canada, like, there's so much, like, where, yes, Dan Trachtenberg is, is a white, you know, director. But, like, just told this, like, amazing, like, loving 
to those people story, but also telling something that like everybody can everybody can encounter and feel see a bit of themselves in the story. And let's let's just like throw it. It's a freaking predator movie. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, lo- long and short, predator comes to hunt man, hunts the wrong woman. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't come hunt the hot man. He comes to hunt other predators, but. Yeah. It doesn't seem like yeah. well yeah 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 it's it's just really really great and like I I love seeing this uh you know the Comanches get such a bad rap because everything that goes down in like New Mexico and like Southern Colorado and Texas um and like you know basically just fucking things up and like you know literally where uh, a historian wrote a book called Comanche Empire about their like hundreds of years where they just like ruled. You know what I mean? And made made all sorts of different white people tremble in their boots. Um, but like seeing them as plains people in the 1700s, like in the Great Plains of like America before, like, of course, you know, all the Euro-Americans show up and like force all these tribes to like different places where now you think of those places as where they're from. And that's not the truth. It's a whole bunch of migratory people that got screwed over many, many times. And today still, because yeah. fucking white people are awful. Um <laughs> But uh, and I, I say that as 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 one, <laughs> I'm I'm not as awful as the rest. But uh, my my history is not always so glorious. But yeah, it uh just wow. And I'm so happy that everybody's watching it and everybody's talking about it. And uh, you know, we may get more, but who even cares? Let's just be happy for what we got. It uh, it's it's just crazy how good it is. It's and you're like, bro, watch this Predator movie and enjoy it. Like and just like i said it on the last episode but i like this better than the original predator movie i'll just throw it right out there bro like i hop back and forth because they're two different movies they are they really are two different movies so like after i finished watching prey i was like this is my favorite predator movie and then i start thinking about the original predator movie and i was like oh that was pretty fucking good but they're two different movies so it's kind of hard to like pair them or 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 weigh them but like this movie is a like a solid cinematic action it really is it should have been in theaters it should have been in theaters because i love the use of bear traps in this film um because i just fucking love bear traps (laughs) what a weird thing to love (laughs) i I, I'll, i'll tell you i I have a thing with bear traps. I, I I can I can either tell you now or tell you later off the record. But like, <laughs> I'm so intrigued. Is it a long story? So kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're the one with the bedtime, buddy. All right. So so off off topic. So I used to have. So when I was reading World War Z, the book, when it like first came out, like I started having like these gnarly zombie dreams, right? And I, did you read World War Z? I did. It's a great book. It's a fantastic fucking book. Yeah, Mel Brooks not only gave us great comedies, he gave us a boy that wrote a good book. Yeah, several good books. Like, yeah. How to Survive the Zombie Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, so, like, I had these dreams that were, like, zombie-related dreams. And this particular dream, and this is fucking years ago, decades ago now, the, uh, I had a particular dream. I was, it was me and a group, and, a, and I was, like, quasi- alpha in this group due to like my survival military history but like as you know like males and hierarchy like there's always in infighting or whatever so like one of the people in this group was like an ex-girlfriend 
and she had like a new dude and like he kept trying to challenge me and he kept making like stupid suggestions for security and i'm like dude that doesn't make any fucking sense like all you're doing is just trying to hurt everybody around you because of shit. so like one day he comes up to me he's like we should set up these bear trap i was like that's fucking retarded that's dumb what's gonna happen is that the zombies gonna break in we're all gonna just start scattering and one of us are gonna step on the bear traps because zombies don't care about bear traps and they get stuck it's just gonna rip its leg off and continue moving this is horrible idea. <laughs> Like so, I'm shooting this guy's idea down, and he keeps pushing to me because he wants to feel like he's contributing. So finally, the ex-girlfriend comes up to me, and like, she's kind of just like, just let him, just let him have this one thing. This is the he he doesn't do enough, you know. He doesn't have your kind of skills. He can't shoot like you can shoot. Like he need want he wants to contribute. He, he let him contribute. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like just he can put bear traps, but he can put them in this section of the fucking department store or whatever because it was like it was an urban environment like a city environment and it was in like a like a big store like kind of like a trader joe's or a 99 cent store or kohl's but it was close enough where you could hop rooftops to other buildings around you okay so of course zombies break in they get past the the, the barrier the perimeter and they come in and no shit, shit's getting crazy. People start running everywhere, and the dumbass guy steps in the fucking bear trap that he set up in. <laughs> so now he's fucking on the okay. floor, laying, like laying down, screaming, like, fuck, help me. Oh my God, fucking help me. And I'm just like, bro, I fucking told you, like, just completely, you know, just fucking sociopathic, like, no emotion. Like, bro, I told you this is a bad idea. Like, you did this to yourself. And then she's yelling at me, telling me, like, you need to help him. Because he's stuck and he's going to get killed by zombies. And I was like, you guys are on your own. Like, I told you this was a bad idea. Like, this didn't help at all. The one thing I told you was going to happen. And then I just climbed to the roof and, like, left. And that was the end of that dream. It was was an anthology dream. So I had, like, all these different um, zombie-related dreams that were kind of have a core storyline. And that was, like, one of the storylines. And I told my buddy Joseph this dream. And he fucking just lost his shit. And that's where bear traps come from. <laughs> okay. So anytime me and Joseph mention bear traps, it always goes back to that dream. <laughs> Fucking bear traps, man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you sold a ticket to your zombie show. Did, did I really? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this sounds interesting. Go picture. <laughs> Maybe we can pull that. I remember yeah. a lot of. I remember a lot of those stories. So. Yeah, man. Your your zombie fever dream. I, I dig it. <laughs> but pray <laughs> bear traps they have I lots li- of bear traps and they use them well they they do indeed it it just uh, it's such a a beautiful way of taking taking some actual history some actual like cultural stuff and and intertwining it with this this premise you know what i mean with predators like we don't we didn't need, we, God, we didn't need another Predator movie like that last one that came out. Like at that point, it's like just kill the I, franchise. The Shane Black one. The the new one. The one with Shaq, the Shaq Predator. Yeah, that one. Hate it. I like that one. Oh God, I despised it. It's it's. I mean, it's fun. It's campy, oh, but it's so not bad. done in a serious manner as like this one. 
at, at the end of it, I was like, just kill this franchise, please. Like, <laughs> I, I liked the Adrian Brody movie. I thought that was cool. I don't even, I mean, I've got some fond nostalgia for the Danny Glover Predator too. But uh, I was just like, enough. It's fine. We we got them. We got all the, we got the alien versus predators. We got two of them. We're fine. It's okay. Like, it's just done. The, the, they've done what they can. And then this comes out and you're like, okay, I was wrong. There's still there's still meat on the bone uh, as long as you you go back to when that meat was a buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. if you just keep it at the fundamentals, right? Because that movie was just straight bare bones. Like it was almost a love letter to the first Predator. Yeah. You know, it it, it took that formula but changed the numbers, but you ended up with the same result. It it was basically the same film. Um, with slight differences, but like that's and I think that's why they're so like comparable to like this one's better. No, this one's better. The first one's better. No, the new one's better because they're almost exactly the same film because they just took what it was, the bones of it, and just reskinned it. Well, they're they're different enough that they get to be different movies. Yeah, uh, and I, I think if anything, it's just uh. Prey is going to win out because of some of the camp of the first one. I really enjoy the first one. Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. Uh, it's it's a, If it's not number one, it's like right there, you know, sitting like, you know, point zero zero one off. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, you don't get the, uh, I'm here right in front of you. Kill me now. Kill me now. Oh, I'm here in, in front of your face. Cover this mud. I'm here. Like, you know what I mean? It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of it all. Like, it's of a time. Uh, and, a, and a lovely time. And great great when we were kids. But nowadays, uh, it they, they just hold up differently. <laughs> it's before the nanny. Watch my movie. It's when I was good. <laughs> I'll show them the line. I'll put it out there. I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger. Everybody loves me. I talk funny. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, there's there's just none of that. Like nobody's watching Prey and be like, oh, this meme forever. <laughs> so yeah, I and and be, I'm glad because because of the subject matter and the indigenous representation, it needs to be more serious. And uh, it was lovely. It's great. There's so much good stuff there. Uh, and like you, big difference. You get to see Predator earlier. It's less of the Bruce the Shark like it is in the first movie. And that's the way it should have been in the first movie. It was done really really well. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I uh, it's such a nice addition and it breathed breathed new life into the franchise where like more can be done. And you can go back to like present day and future stuff if you want to, just because there's the, the franchise has life again and people are interested. So take me take me far to the future. You know what I mean? I'd love to see what like super futuristic predators against whatever humanity looks like at that point. What that is, you know? So predators versus hosts. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But uh, pray it's on Hulu and wow. Anybody that lamented like, oh, Disney bought Fox and they're not going to do anything with it. You're wrong because uh, this movie exists. And then there's a Hellraiser thing coming out and which damn Disney, you freaky. Yeah. Yeah. They, they found a way to use all their available IP and they've got different avenues for it. And it's smart. You know what I mean? And it's that bundle. People keep paying for the bundle. They want their sports. They want their freaky IP. And they want their their Pinocchio movies. You know? (laughs) (laughs) 
So, and I'll, I'll just tell you that Pinocchio movie, while it's one of my favorites, is one of the darkest. And I'm very interested how it'll play out in live action. Because that first movie, that's the stuff of nightmares. I love it. But even as a kid, I knew it was the stuff of nightmares. I was always very nervous on that Pinocchio's daring journey ride at Disneyland. That I mean, that well scene's freaking... It still is. I, I went out with Shani, and he was like, bro. And I was like, I feel you, boy. I was there. You're me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. But uh, is that all we got to say about Prey? Super duper good. Go see it. It might yeah. be better than the first Predator movie, but that's not fair because they're separated by like 40 years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So freaking good. All right. Uh. This is our, our final moment. Just we can real fast talk about other stuff we watched. Or we can do another episode somewhere in the future. What do you what do you want, Danny? I got I you mean, for thirteen more I, minutes. I mean, the I think the what you're watching is um good for our busy schedules. <laughs> it is. We, we we watch a lot of content and stuff that's not even comic book related or nerd related. Um, so like whenever we need a topic or you need to bust out an episode, I think they're a good go-to. So like, I'm not even afraid of like finishing my TV load. Cause I'm going to watch like five more shows in the next month anyways. <laughs> so yeah. if you want to, if you want to do a quick, I got probably like three more things I can probably like quick shoot if you want. All right. You want me to start with my quick shoot and then, yeah, uh, go, go for all it. All right. So Lego star Wars summer vacation. Uh, the newest, good. yeah, was good. it was good. I will say this: it's not as good as the first one, but I think it's on par with the second one. Uh, but if I had to rank them, I'm probably ranking them as they come out, like one, two, and three. That said, it's really, really fun. Billy D. Williams, like voice of Lando Calrissian himself. Uh, you know, the, the the bummer part of that Lego Summer Vacation was is like Finn was really wasted as a character. <laughs> like I yeah. see what Lego did with Finn. And I was like, fuck, yeah. like, that character had so much potential, and they just fucking just wasted it. Uh, I thought you were saying they wasted him in the... I was like, I liked what they did in the little no, movie. No, no, like, them. they did really good stuff with this character in the in the, in the the short, but it's just like, they you see what they did with it in the Lego movie, and it was like, fuck, he would have been... He would have had so much potential on the yeah. live-action films. I was and a now, little... Oh, go ahead, sorry. No, it's just like, now John Boyega is never going to come back for the next least decade. Yeah. I mean, I was a little worried that it was just going to be a big ad for the Halcyon Cruiser. There was a little bit of that, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that they did it well. Uh, and uh, I, I've heard some podcasters that went on the Cruiser and be like, oh, it looked just like the thing. OK, good job. But in Lego form. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the stories were cute. You know, you get the I like the way they use the Force Ghost stuff. And uh, and yeah, like overall, I was like, all right, there's heart there. The problem is right after the boys wanted to watch like the holiday special. And that one's so freaking good. It's just so freaking good. So I was like, but that one's like race centric. And what I realized is the Halloween one was post centric. So they literally have done more justice for that trilogy of characters than the sequel movies did. And that's sad. I mean, Ray got Ray got the most for those sequel movies, but but I was just like, wow, they did her better in the Lego movies. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I also I watched season five of Camp Cretaceous. Dude, if you like Jurassic Park, if you like Jurassic World uh, and want to live in those worlds, but not be like hemmed in by the stories of those worlds. Camp Cretaceous hot dog starts off with Jurassic World and uh, apparently ends right as uh, the newest Jurassic World movie begins. 
Um, and just following these five kids that went to a camp because the, they got there for different reasons, whether it's privilege or winning, winning contests. And then they're just stuck in the park as it all like falls apart and then just have to try and survive amongst all these dinosaurs that want to kill them. And, oh, it's such a good freaking show. And I know some some right wing people are really pissed off at some some gayness in the fifth season. And <laughs> it happens everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but now there's there's freaking uh Bumpy the Ankylosaurus is like my favorite dinosaur. I even care about Toro the Carnotaurus. Uh, it's it's just so freaking good, and it gives you so much more beyond InGen. You get freaking Manticore, and and so many different players, and it's just these kids surviving and and becoming a family and trying to figure it out. And there's they found they kept finding ways to tell the story where I was intrigued and there was new twists, and the animation's pretty good. And uh, so, I like. So what you're saying is life finds a way. Indeed. And uh, this is a show that I watched with Ty the whole time. But like when the fourth season came out, we just sat and binged the whole dang thing in one morning. And Heather was like, "Oh my God, you guys finished it!" And we're like, "We want more." <laughs> and, <laughs> and like the the seasons came out pretty regular. Like they just kept working on it. And uh, it's it's five seasons of dinosaur goodness. And if you like that world, it's it's really freaking good. And uh, and it is in the world but also outside the world where it's a new story and uh i really it just really was freaking enjoyable i liked it and when it was done i was just like oh man bye family bye kids it was a good journey uh but yeah really really enjoyed it i recommend it it's on netflix and uh yeah i think uh if you're looking for something just to enjoy uh check out check out the old brain and just live in a dinosaur world there you go Good stuff. And the boys are dino crazy, so I'm all about some dino content. <laughs> uh, me, me and Shawnee watched the Sea Beast. Have you checked that out on Netflix yet? What's the Sea Beast? Uh, so it's the guy who was involved in Moana. I'm not sure if it's the director or the writer. Uh, but basically, it's a world of pirates and sea monsters. And uh, the basically, these people kill monsters and uh, there's a young girl that is the orphan of, of killed monster hunters. And she ends up on a ship. And uh, you learn some stuff about monsters. And uh, there's some family dynamics. But overall, it's just pirates and sea monsters. And uh, it's, it's there's a little bit of a twist at the end. And it's lovely. And, uh, yeah, it's great. It's, it was so much fun. I was just like, pirates and sea monsters. Okay. Like, I'm here for it. And I, I thought it was going to be really like, you know, Disney Pixar. Would, oh, the monsters are cute. And there's a little bit of that. But nope. Nope. It's uh, Pirates and Sea Monsters. And uh, and in the end, you're you're with it. You know what's going down. And uh, and it ends. And I, I want to say like happily ever after, but not really. Sort of. Maybe. Question mark. But Pirates and Sea Monsters. Uh, animation's good. Voice acting's good. Uh, it's it's on Netflix. It, it'll two hours of your life, and uh, yeah, overall, I was just like, yeah, like that that Moana guy. He he brought us a new movie, 2022. But I mean, Carl Urban is the voice of a character. Danny, nice. Like Danny Dan. Dan Stevens is the voice of a character. Jared Harris is the voice of a character. So, and their voices, pirates and sea monsters. What else do I need to say? <laughs> Uh, it's uh, and it's not a musical. There's like one song, but it's a sea shanty, and it's lovely. So uh, yeah, the Sea Beast, highly enjoy it. 
that was the one uh i was like ty you want to watch these i already watched it and i was like so we we can't ever watch anything again like (laughs) (laughs) watch it once that's it you live in two different households buddy that's not fair (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah uh did you watch light of magic no oh dude you like documentaries don't you i do i love documentaries it's so freaking good Oh man, if you if you want to follow the the not the drama but just the the interesting world of industrial light and magic, it's it's so freaking and Kasdan directs the piss out of it, and he's got such great like ability to like the stuff from the archives, like footage of them in their seventy shorts, just drinking beers and kiddie pools, like and telling like the the backstories like the the you know where these where these creators come from and the things they're interested in and the things that inspired them and showing like how they do some of the effects anything from like the house imploding at the end of poltergeist to to star wars stuff to indiana jones stuff matt paintings how how dinosaurs got got to be digital versus like practical uh, and all these names of people that people should know that they don't and just like watching these rock stars of the VFX world, like without Industrial Light and Magic, you don't get anybody even thinking you could make a Marvel movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they they prove time and again how they can just make this crazy stuff come into existence. And it, it does lead to the world we are where like they will make movies with crazy visual effects because there's people that can do it. And from ILM, you get so many different, you know, FX houses. And uh, that's all to the benefit of all of us. And then you get the people like, it's just not good enough. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, and, and you know, it's always good to to shine a light on our forebears and, and ILM. Like, it, it just was like, if anything, they uh, they focus so hard on, on Star Wars for the first few episodes. And then it starts speeding up and going through where I'm just like, oh, I want you to go back and reattack and give me more of some other stuff that they did. You know what I mean? And as as it was finishing, I was like, ah, oh, surely, okay, we're just gonna get more episodes in the future. But then they kept going into the future, and I was like, oh no, oh no, it will end. Oh no, I've enjoyed this time <laughs> with them. And it's like the Imagineering story, which was a really amazing documentary on Disney Plus, and uh, it's it's just really good. It's it's uh, worth your time. I think you and the lady would really enjoy it. All right, we'll it's, check uh, it out. It's a, a nice documentary. Uh, I hate like just saying it real short, but I finished Lock and Key season three, and I will once again tell everybody: if you are not watching Lock and Key on Netflix, you're missing out. There's three seasons, and it's one, two, three, and it's done. So you get the the ten episode seasons. It's thirty episodes. You can watch it at your leisure, however you want. But it's just so incredible. It is adapted from the work of Joe Hill, son of Stephen King. It is a comic book that he did. And uh, it's just a really great, interesting story. And it's something different that I assure you, you may find similarities with other like supernatural content, but not really. It's just uh, this family that, you know, gets thrust into these interesting times and they have these magical keys that do different things. And they're basically trying to keep these demons from taking over. And uh, yeah, there's drama and heartbreak and death and despair and joy and love uh and yeah it's it's wild like these kids that had no idea like what their family legacy was because their dad was running from it and then 
through some events to get thrust back into it and living in this creepy old house in like Maine or Massachusetts or wherever up north because that's where Stephen King and his son write everything because <laughs> that's what they know uh but yeah if you like Joe Hill is is born of Stephen King and like he can't help it it's in his DNA and it's right there if you like Stephen King and otherworldly stuff it's right there and uh the third season uh because of of being sick this week I got to watch it pretty quick not really not binging because I still watched over like you know seven days but man and it it wraps up well and when it's done you're like that was a that was a fun story that was enjoyable took me on some rides took me on some twists took me on some turns and uh yeah I enjoyed the piss out of it and uh, it's a very good example of uh, a show getting to be what it is and finish the way it wants to and I'm very grateful like you were saying Netflix doesn't do multiple seasons well they did for this show they gave it its three seasons they spent the money on it and uh, it's it's uh, adventure worth taking Tickets sold <laughs> yeah well, I'll get to it one of these days okay I mean, it's an original Netflix thing, so I guess it'll live on their streamer as long as it exists. That's true. Unless, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I could I could wax about Lightyear again. Lord knows I've seen it so many times from The Void. The thing I will tell you is I'm not sick of it yet. That's Every good. Time I, yeah, I'm like, all right, we're watching Lightyear again. I know all the beats. I know all the jokes, but Taika Waititi... Damn, he makes me laugh every time his character's on the screen. So uh, I look forward to him showing up. Uh, they have a, they have a whole like agenda, and he's like, "Not die," and then they they give him some grief, and he's like, then they go through all the stuff that they want to do, and he says, "And by doing all that, we have to not die." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's, they just yeah, they know exactly what they have in Taika Waititi, and it's it's a delight, and uh, I like Chris Evans as Lightyear. And I like all the characters, and I like the what they do with Zerg and the and the robots and all that. It's just it's fun, it's enjoyable, and the boy loves it. And thankfully, it's not a movie I hate yet. Uh, I will tell you, uh, the Turning Red movie with the Red Panda, it wore on me. And uh, I think I now have watched Lightyear more times than I've watched Turning Red, and it hasn't yet. I uh, I think it 100% will be sort of on a Star Wars level, at least for the Sean guy. Ooh. Uh, I don't know that he's going to get more of it, so it can't really, you know what I mean? But, yeah, he really loves it. I, I literally could look at the floor, and there's, like, at least, like, six Lightyear-themed things that are within, like, kicking distance. So, yeah, he he enjoys it very, very much. Although Toy Story 2 recently has been the one he's been wanting to watch over and over. Stinky P. Ooh, a big, ugly man doll. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm caught up on what we do in the shadows, season four. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. It's yeah. a I I I love what they're doing with Guillermo. I, and and I just it's great. The show's great. The cast is great. It so was. Funny. I was wondering how they were gonna do it after the last season finale, but they pulled it off. Yeah, I didn't think it was gonna work, but it works. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think when that finishes, we'll probably say more about it. Harley Quinn season three, I've watched through episode six. It's back. It's the same show with different stuff. And it, uh, it's hilarious. Ra- raunchy. Super yeah. raunchy. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 good. And uh, the James Gunn stuff works. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you caught up on it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I have one more episode that just dropped that I haven't watched yet. 
then no. no. <laughs> then I'm far behind. Yeah, it's uh, episode, the last one I saw was Joker for Mayor. Yeah, that was the last one I saw. Yeah, so there's a and new that, one. That, that episode was brilliant. Yeah, there's a, a new one that neither one of us have seen. But, it, I mean, even what we do in the shadows, the most recent episode, that was brilliant. I would have never expected that. And what a twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So uh yeah they uh they just they're just doing some different stuff and uh please more of it and I guess we're they I mean season five they're already working on it so yeah and season four of Harley Quinn has been announced in in a world oh, where God. where HBO Discovery is canceling everything they have said that there's going to be another season of Harley Quinn I mean yeah because she's white <laughs> <laughs> uh no comment yeah. <laughs> it's it's animation question mark <laughs> Although all the stuff they're doing with Catwoman, that was so funny with Catwoman and Black Manta. Oh, oh was, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it, it it is a silly, bloody, violent, raunchy show, and then there's some stuff in there where I'm telling you, it's that it's that pulled punch to the face. You're like, it's there. Like, there's some smart people <laughs> knocking on the door, telling you things. I have watched the first three episodes of Fraggle Rock Back to the Rock. Ooh, where's that on? Uh, it's Apple Plus. Because uh, oh. I I discovered last month that they've been charging me for it, uh, and I didn't realize, so I'm like, damn it, I need to stop that charge. Or I could watch some stuff on it. <laughs> so I've uh, I've watched some stuff on it, and one of them, like Fraggle Rock, we were watching the third episode, and Heather was walking up, and she's like, is that the freaking Fraggles? And I'm like, it is. It's the mother truck and Fraggles. But the boys were there, so I was like, yes, dear, it's the Fraggles. <laughs> but inside, I was like, the mother truck and Fraggles. And I like, work your cares away. Worries for another day and let the music play down to Fraggle Rock. I'd totally forgotten that one of the Fraggles was named Boober. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's the Doozers. It's the Fraggles. It's uh the weird full-body Muppet guys. Uh, and instead of the old man and Sprocket, it's uh, African-American lady and Sprocket. And she's younger. But uh, it's lovely. It's, it's everything I remember from the Fraggle Rocks and everything that I forget. Uh, they're probably just rehashing the same exact storylines I watched when I was like eight, but that's okay because uh, the boys like it, and uh, it's something that we watch every once in a while. So it's new to them. It's new to them, and it's uh, nostalgia for us. And Heather was like, "I can't believe the Fraggles are back. This is awesome." And she named a dog Sprocket because he looked like Sprocket. So there you go. <laughs> uh, and the only other thing is it's on Apple TV Plus. But, bro, there is this show called Prehistoric Planet. Okay. And uh, basically, so John, John Favreau is an executive producer. The host is Sir David Attenborough. It's narrated by him. Uh, and basically, they take CGI, and it is a nature documentary about dinosaurs. So it's the people that did the special effects for uh, The Lion King. I think it's uh, I have it written down just because I, I knew I was going to forget it. Uh, Motion Picture Company, MPC VFX. They did The Jungle Book and The Lion King. And they literally it is a nature documentary narrated by like one of the premier dinosaur guys. And it's like wildlife filmmaking, but prehistoric with all sorts of paleontology facts and all this state-of-the-art technology. It's, bro, it's one of a kind. It's BBC did it originally, but they're airing it there. And it's, so far, they've had, like, five episodes, and it's all based on, like, biomes. So coast, desert, freshwater, ice worlds, forests. And, bro, it just, it's mind-blowing. I was just watching it, like, 
how does this freaking exist? Like it literally, I'm watching a nature documentary for something that is impossible to watch a nature documentary on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is dinosaurs. Let's watch this. And I was just like, what in the actual what? It just, it's crazy. And like, you know, you know how good the effects were on that Lion King movie, whether you like the fact that it was a complete remake and they, they take that and they do the dinosaurs and it's just, wow. Wow, Danny. Just wow. 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 All right. But that's all I got. That's all I got. What you got? So the one that I got is only murders in this building season two. And this show's just great. It's, it's a, it's a fantastic mystery show with, with great humor um, the chemistry between Martin Short, uh, Steve Martin, and Selena Gomez shouldn't work, but it does. And they're just so adorable and together. And they're really, they're really like a family. And and their comedic timing with all three of them is just brilliant. So I recommend that. It's just the season season two just ended. Um, they set up for a season three. Um, but it's it's just a fantastic murder series. So if you just like kind of mis- murder mystery kind of stuff and just some good humor, um, just intelligent humor, like fuck, perfect watch. That's in on Hulu as well, right? It is on Hulu, sir. Um, the next okay. thing I watched is the Resident Evil show on Netflix. Um, I, I've heard some fifty fifty about it, but I liked. It. I, I liked for what it was. I get it. It's not the game. It's not the the continuity. It's it's, it's a it's a new take. But I do like the tale of kind of the two sisters, the yin and yang, and kind of their journey and their relationship. Um, it's done in two halves, where it's one part's done in the past, where it kind of shows the outbreak happening, and then one part's done okay. in the future, where um, you get all the crazy Resident Evil shit, like fucking crazy size zombie alligator. You know, <laughs> it's just that just goes around tearing shit up. So I, I so that I I like that. The last thing that I'm gonna talk about that I can remember at the moment is Primal season two. Holy fuck, this show is brilliant. Uh, Grand Tarowski is a fucking genius. Season one was brilliant. It, it was a whole show with no dialogue in it. It was done through all emoting and grunting, and and it worked. Uh, season two is a little bit more sophisticated as they kind of journeyed out into the world and discovered different cultures with their own languages and stuff. But, you know, he does such a great directing with, with in, in, in capturing kind of like the fear and the vastness and the dangerous, how dangerous the world is at a prehistoric level where, you know, and where anything at any time can fucking kill you. Um, but yet at the same time, you, you have this bond between this man and this dinosaur that was built over grief and now they're companions and they're best friends and they're, you know, they're practically family. They're a tribe of two um, at this point in season two. And it's just so beautiful. And it's so HBO tragic. Max, right? It's on HBO Max or Adult Swim. But 
it gets so like this show is so violent, so ultra violent and so bloody and so messy. And like, it's just, it's, it's, it's done beautifully. It's, it's like kind of like Sandman where like it takes tragedy and turns it into art form. He, Grant Travioski takes violence and, and turns it into an art form, and it's just gorgeous. Okay. And uh, yeah. oh, Tartakovsky, if you like the original Clone Wars before the before the uh, 3D animation one. I mean, yeah. they kind of line up. <laughs> nice. I watched I watched two the uh, those two uh, not that long ago, and there's a lot of the groundwork for the 3D animation one. Okay. But uh, yeah, no, it's good. Nice. Well, uh, you you've sold a ticket, and I have a little bit of more time where I could watch something, so I might uh, I might catch some episodes of it. Yeah, they're short. They're like fifteen twenty minute episodes. Yeah, and it's yeah. like uh, what seven episode seasons, something like that. Uh, uh something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, sixteen episodes over two seasons. So. Yeah, so far. Nice. Uh, season two hasn't ended. Actually, a new episode just dropped today. Um, oh, nice. So I'll probably watch that sometime. Super cool. Well, all right. That's uh, that's what what's we watching, friends. Whole wow, what a what a jam packed mega episode. I think I'm proud of us. We jammed a lot of stuff into this can. <laughs> I'm really running out of gas right now. <laughs> all right, friends. You know the drill. Uh, Danny doesn't doesn't plug any of the stuff, but go over to Laughing Up Fuzzballs, the Facebook group. Plug plug plug. You can talk to Danny there. See the news that he drops. Uh, laughing at fuzzball podcast at gmail.com if you want to send an email shoot an email i'll reply but nobody does so you don't i don't have to prove it (laughs) (laughs) jerry did but i responded to the last one right fast because i felt bad the last time it took me a big delay uh at wookie riot on twitter and instagram you want to buy merch tpublic.com slash user slash laugh dash hit dash up dash fuzzball or just search laugh it up fuzzball in the search bar of tpublic.com and and one of the shirts will pop up number one and then you can just get to the rest of them uh, there is a new I meant to drop a new design last week. I will try to endeavor to do it tomorrow, uh, which means it should be up before this episode drops, uh, which I'll have time to edit tomorrow because I'm homesicky. Boo-hoo. But I'm fine. I'm not dying. Don't worry about me. Uh, what else? Uh, I think that's all the things. Anchor.fm slash laugh dash shit dash up dash fuzzball um, is the home of the podcast. And I thank them for proliferating this into your ear holes. And I thank you and your ear holes for listening. And we're going to wrap up this episode. And uh, until the next time, there will actually, this episode will drop. And then I have to do a, oh, crap, I forgot it's been six years. I need to do one of those episodes. So uh, that's probably coming next as well. Uh, But any final thoughts, Danny? Nope. All right. We'll catch you next time. Whenever, whenever uh, tribal primal chief Wookie and Marshal Danny of the Greater Fuzzball Territories rejoin, and uh, next time we have a, a group episode, ostensibly Blucif, Benjamin Blufer Blue the Fourth, the Earl of Blueberry. Well, hello. We'll be in- <laughs> All right. Until then, be excellent to each other. Stay classy. Party on, dudes. TTFN, Danny and Wookie out. What you watch? What you watch? What you watch? It. That's a. That's a. What we're watching. Yeah. Wow. Word to your mother. <laughs> <laughs>